Milton's Minor Poems. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Front Matter Part 1. Preface by the Reverend H. C. Beeching, M.A. This edition of Milton's Poetry is a reprint, as careful as editor and printers have been able to make it, from the earliest printed copies of the several poems. First, the 1645 volume of the minor poems has been printed entire. Then follow in order the poems added in the reissue of 1673, The Paradise Lost, from the edition of 1667, and The Paradise Regained and Samson Agonistes, from the edition of 1671. The most interesting portion of the book must be reckoned the first section of it, which reproduces for the first time the scarce small octavo of 1645. The only reprint of the minor poems in the old spelling, so far as I know, is the one edited by Mitford, but that followed the edition of 1673, which is comparatively uninteresting, since it could not have had Milton's oversight as it passed through the press. We know that it was set up from a copy of the 1645 edition because it reproduces some pointless eccentricities, such as the varying form of the chorus in Psalm 136. But while it corrects the errata tabulated in that edition, it commits many more blunders of its own. It is valuable, however, as the editio princeps of ten of the sonnets, and it contains one important alteration in the Ode on the Nativity. This and all other alterations will be found noted where they occur. I have not thought it necessary to note mere differences of spelling between the two editions, but a word may find place here upon their general character. Generally, it may be said that where the two editions differ, the later spelling is that now in use. Thus, words like goddess, darkness, usually written in the first edition with one final s, have two while on the other hand, words like vernal, youthful, and monosyllables like hug, far, lose their double letter. Many monosyllables, for example, some, S-O-M, course, C-O-U-R-S, glimpse, G-L-I-M-P-S, where, W-H-E-R, verse, V-E-R-S, A-W, else, E-L-S, done, D-O-N, I-E-Y, lie, L-Y. So written in 1645, take on in 1673, an E mute, while words like harp, H-A-R-P-E, winds, W-I-N-D-E-S, only O-N-E-L-Y, lose it. By a reciprocal change, air, A-Y-R, and cypress, C-I-P-R-E-S-S, become air, A-I-R, and cypress, C-Y-P-R-E-S-S. And the vowels in Dane, D-A-I-G-N, Vale, V-A-I-L, Near, N-E-E-R, Believe, B-E-L-E-E-V-E, Shield, S-H-E-I-L-D, Bosom, B-O-O-S-O-M, Even, E-E-V-E-N, Battle, B-A-T-T-A-I-L, Traveler, T-R-A-V-A-I-L-E-R, and many other words are similarly modernized. On the other hand, there are a few cases where the 1645 edition exhibits the spelling which has succeeded in fixing itself, as travail, 1673, travel, 
in the sense of labor, and robed, R-O-B apostrophe D, profane, P-R-O-P-H-A-N-E, human, H-U-M-A-N-E, flood, F-L-O-U-D, and bloody, B-L-O-U-D-Y, forest, F-O-R-R-E-S-T, triple, T-R-I-P-P-L-E, alas, A-L-A-S-S, and huddling, H-U-D-L-I-N-G. Indeed, the spelling in this later edition is not untouched by 17th century inconsistency. It retains here and there forms like shameless with one S, caterous with one S, where 1645 reads caterous with two S's, and occasionally reverts to the older-fashioned spelling of monosyllables without the mute E. In the epitaph on the Marchioness of Winchester, it reads, quote, and some, S-O-M, flowers and some bays, S-O-M-E, but undoubtedly the impression on the whole is of a much more modern text. In the matter of small or capital letters, I have followed the old copy, except in one or two places where a personification seemed not plainly enough marked to a modern reader without a capital. Thus in Il Penseroso, line 49, I print Leisure, L-E-A-S-U-R-E with a capital L, although both editions read leisure with a small l. And in the vacation exercise, line 71, times with a capital T for times with a small t. Also, where the employment or omission of a capital is plainly due to misprinting, as too frequently in the 1673 edition, I silently make the correction. Examples are notes with a small n for notes with a capital in sonnet 17, line 13, anointed with a capital A for anointed with a small a, in Psalm 2, line 12. In regard to punctuation, I have followed the old printers, except in obvious misprints, and followed them also as far as possible in their distribution of Roman and Italic type, and in the grouping of words and lines in the various titles. To follow them exactly was impossible, as the books are so very different in size. At this point, the candid reader may perhaps ask what advantage is gained by presenting these poems to modern readers in the dress of a bygone age. If the question were put to me, I should probably evade it by pointing out that Mr. Froude is issuing an edition based upon this, in which the spelling is frankly that of today. But if the question were pressed, I think a sufficient answer might be found. To begin with, I should point out that even Professor Masson, who in his excellent edition argues the point and decides in favor of modern spelling, allows that there are peculiarities of Milton's spelling which are really significant and ought therefore to be noted or preserved. But who is to determine exactly which words are spelled according to the poet's own instructions, and which according to the printer's whim? It is notorious that in Paradise Lost, some words were spelt upon a deliberate system, and it may very well happen that in the volume of minor poems which the poet saw through the press in 1645, there were spellings no less systematic. Professor Masson makes a great point of the fact that Milton's own spelling, exhibited in the autograph manuscript of some of the minor poems preserved in Trinity College, Cambridge, does not correspond with that of the printed copy. Note. This manuscript invaluable to all students of Milton, has lately been facsimilated under the superintendence of Dr. Aldous Wright and published at the Cambridge University Press. This is certainly true, 
as the reader may see for himself by comparing the passage from the manuscript given in the appendix with the corresponding place in the text. Milton's own spelling revels in redundant ease, while the printer of the 1645 book is very sparing of them. But in cases where the spelling affects the meter, we find that the printed text and Milton's manuscript closely correspond, and it is upon its value in determining the meter, quite as much as its antiquarian interest, that I should base the justification of this reprint. Take, for instance, such a line as the 11th of Comus, which Professor Masson gives us as amongst the enthroned gods on sainted seats. A reader not learned in Miltonic rhythms will certainly read this, amongst the enthroned gods. But the 1645 edition reads, amongst the enthroned gods. And so does Milton's manuscript. Again, in line 597, Professor Masson reads, it shall be in eternal, restless change, self-fed and self-consumed. If this fail, the pillared firmament is rottenness, etc. But the 1645 text and Milton's manuscript read self-consumed, M apostrophe D, after which word there is to be understood a metrical pause to mark the violent transition of the thought. Self-fed and self-consumed. If this fail. Again, in the second line of the sonnet to a nightingale, Professor Masson has warblest at eve when all the woods are still. But the early edition, which probably follows Milton's spelling, though in this case we have no manuscript to compare, reads warblest, B-L apostrophe S-T. So the original text of Samson, line 670, has temperst, T-E-M-P-E-R apostrophe S-T. The retention of the old system of punctuation may be less defensible, but I have retained it because it may now and then be of use in determining a point of syntax. The absence of a comma, for example, after the word hearse in the 58th line of the epitaph on the Marchioness of Winchester, printed by Professor Masson, thus, and some flowers and some bays for thy hearse to strew the ways, no comma after bays. But in the 1645 edition, and some flowers and some bays for thy hearse to strew the ways with a comma after bays, goes to prove that for here must be taken as apostrophe for before. Of the Paradise Lost, there were two editions issued during Milton's lifetime, and while the first has been taken as our text, all the variants in the second, not being simple misprints, have been recorded in the notes. In one respect, however, in the distribution of the poem into twelve books instead of ten, it has seemed best, for the sake of practical convenience, to follow the second edition. A word may be allowed here on the famous correction among the errata prefixed to this edition, Lib. 2, verse 414, for we, W.E., Read we, W-E-E. This correction shows not only that Milton had theories about spelling, but also that he found means, though his sight was gone, to ascertain whether his rules had been carried out by his printer. And in itself, this fact justifies the facsimile reprint. What the principle in the use of the double vowel actually was, 
and it is found to affect other monosyllabic pronouns, it is not so easy to discover, though roughly it is clear the reduplication was intended to mark emphasis. For example, in the speech of the Divine Son after the battle in heaven, book 6, lines 810 to 817, the pronouns which the voice would naturally emphasize are spelt with the double vowel. Stand only and behold God's indignation on these godless poured by me. Not you, but me they have despised, yet envied. Against me is all their rage, because the Father, to whom in heaven's supreme kingdom and power and glory appertains, hath honored me according to his will. Therefore to me their doom he hath assigned. Honored me, M-E, to me, M-E-E, their doom he hath assigned. In the Son's speech offering himself as Redeemer, Book 3, lines 227-249, where the pronoun all through is markedly emphasized, it is printed me, with two e's, the first four times, and afterwards me, with one e. But it is noticeable that these first four times, the emphatic word does not stand in the stressed place of the verse, so that a careless reader might not emphasize it, unless his attention were specially led by some such sign. Behold me, then, me for him, life for life I offer, on me let thine anger fall, account me man. In the hymn of creation, book 5, lines 160 to 209, where ye occurs, y-e, 14 times, the emphasis and the metric stress six times out of seven coincide, and the pronoun is spelt ye, y-e-e. Where it is unemphatic and in an unstressed place, it is spelled ye with one e. Two lines are especially instructive. Speak ye who best can tell, ye sons of light. Speak ye, two e's, ye sons of light, one e. Line 160. And fountains and ye that warble as ye flow. Melodious murmurs, warbling, tune his praise. Fountains and ye, two e's, as ye flow, one e. Line 195. In Book 5, line 694, it marks, as the voice, by its emphasis would mark in reading, a change of subject. So spake the false archangel, and infused bad influence into the unwary breast of his associate. He, the associate, together calls, etc. An examination of other passages where there is no antithesis goes to show that the length and form of the pronoun is most frequent before a pause, as Book 7, line 95, or at the end of a line, Book 1, lines 245 and 257, or when a foot is inverted, Book 5, line 133, or when as object it precedes its verb, book 5, line 612, book 7, line 747, or as subject follows it, book 9, line 1109, book 10, line 4. But as we might expect under circumstances where a purist could not correct his own proofs, there are not a few inconsistencies. There does not seem, for example, any special emphasis 
in the second we of the following passage, freely we serve, because we freely love, as in our will to love or not. In this we stand or fall, the second we, because we freely love, as two e's. Book 5, line 538. On the other hand, in the passage, Book 3, line 41, in which the poet speaks of his own blindness, thus with the year, seasons return, but not to me returns day, etc., where, if anywhere, we should expect me with two e's, we do not find it, though it occurs in the speech eight lines below. It should be added that this differentiation of the pronoun is not found in any printed poem of Milton's before Paradise Lost, nor is it found in the Cambridge autograph. In that manuscript, the constant forms are me with one e, we with two e's, ye with two e's. There is one place where there is a difference in the spelling of she, and it is just possible that this may not be due to accident. In the first verse of the song in Archides, the manuscript reads, This, this is she, S-H-E-E. -E. And in the third verse, This, this is she alone, she with one E. This use of the double vowel is found a few times in Paradise Regained. In Book 2, line 259, and Book 4, lines 486 and 497, where me, M-E-E, -E, begins a line, and in Book 4, line 638, where he, with two E's, is specially emphatic in the concluding lines of the poem. In Samson Agonistes, it is more frequent. For example, lines 124, 178, 193, 220, 252, 290, and 11.25. Another word, the spelling of which in Paradise Lost will be observed to vary, is the pronoun there, which is spelt sometimes there, T-H-I-R. The spelling in the Cambridge manuscript is uniformly T-H-I-R-E, except once when it is T-H-I-R, and where there, T-H-E-I-R, occurs once in the writing of an amanuensis, the E is struck through. That the difference is not merely a printer's device to accommodate his line may be seen by a comparison of lines 358 and 363 in the first book, where the shorter word comes in the shorter line. It is probable that the lighter form of the word was intended to be used when it was quite unemphatic. Contrast, for example, in book 3, line 59, his own works and their works at once to view, with line 113, their maker and their making and their fate. T-H-E-I-R in the first quotation, T-H-I-R three times in the second quotation. But the use is not consistent, and the form there is not found at all till the 349th line of the first book. The distinction is kept up in the paradise regained in Samson Agonistes, but if possible with even less consistency. Such passages, however, as Paradise Regained 3, 414 to 440, Samson Agonistes 880 to 890, are certainly spelt upon a method, and it is noticeable that in the choruses the lighter form is universal. Paradise Regained and Samson Agonistes were published in 1671, and no further edition was called for in the remaining three years of the poet's lifetime. 
so that in the case of these poems there are no new readings to record, and the texts were so carefully revised that only one fault Paradise Regained, Book 2, line 309, was left for correction later. In these and the other poems, I have corrected the misprints catalogued in the tables of errata, and I have silently corrected any other, unless it might be mistaken for a various reading, when I have called attention to it in a note. Thus, I have not recorded such blunders as Lethian for Lesbian in the 1645 text of Lycidas, line 63, or Hallow for Hollow in Paradise Lost, book 6, line 484. But I have noted Content for Consent in At a Solemn Music, line 6. In conclusion, I have to offer my sincere thanks to all who have collaborated with me in preparing this edition, to the delegates of the Oxford Press for allowing me to undertake it and decorate it with so many facsimiles, to the controller of the press for his unfailing courtesy, to the printers and printers' reader for their care and pains. Coming nearer home, I cannot but acknowledge the help I have received in looking over proof sheets from my sister, Mrs. P. A. Barnett, who has ungrudgingly put at the service of this book both time and eyesight. In taking leave of it, I may be permitted to say that it has cost more of both these inestimable treasures than I had anticipated. The last proof reaches me just a year after the first, and the progress of the work has not in the interval been interrupted. In tenui labor et tenuis gloria. Nevertheless, I cannot be sorry it was undertaken. H.C.B. Yattendon Rectory, November 8, 1899. End of Preface End of Front Matter, Part 1